Hello there, I'm Jackie Stern and welcome to my Coaching Conversations podcast. My intention is to give people a sense of the coaching process through listening in on my conversations with others who've received coaching and also with experts in the field. You will hear how coaching has supported people to tap into the best of themselves as they manage their organisation, their business or their teams as they face into the future. And you'll also hear how coaching has enabled people to achieve a desired shift in their working life, whether that's pursuing their purpose, achieving promotion perhaps, starting a new business or a new project, or creating a better work-life balance. I've lined up some marvellous speakers to chat with me. Just to say that the coaching conversation that you're about to hear was recorded before March 2020, before social distancing and mask wearing was required to help prevent the spread of COVID-19. Much as I enjoy recording conversations online, I look forward to a time when recording in person will be possible once more. This month's guest is Georgia Boone, who's sitting opposite me here in these very comfortable chairs in uh, in the All Sorts office. But it's an office like no other, really, because it's got lots of toys in it. You'll find out about the toys in a minute. But there's a giant piano over there on the floor that you have to stand on, I suspect, and uh, a big helter-scouter and a... Hmm. Oh, a Brio map. <laughs> lovely, <laughs> lovely things. So, Georgia, welcome to Coaching Conversation. Thank you, Jackie. It's a real pleasure to see you again and um, to have this opportunity to chat to you about your coaching experience. What drew you to coaching, how it supported you and has helped you make the shifts that you were after. And if you're comfortable, um, some of the issues that coaching helped you to address. Yeah, that sounds great. Is that good? So... Georgia is the chief exec of all sorts, and that's an important county-wide charity that supports children and young adults with additional needs and their families. Can you yeah. say just a little bit about all sorts? Yeah, so we were set up by parents and carers of children with additional needs. They wanted to access things that any other family can access without having to think about it too carefully. And they were also aware that having a child with additional needs can be very isolating, both for the child and for the family. They started off with 40 families and now we're 350 families strong. Uh, Members have come and gone and we provide about 40 hours a week of activities for children and their families to do together. And when did it start? Uh, It's our 10th anniversary year this year. Wow, that's brilliant. But you haven't been a chief exec in this role for all that time, have you? No, I started just over two years ago, and it's my first chief exec role as well, which I think was significant in terms of the coaching. Right, and that's, uh, I remember you approaching me um, for some leadership coaching not long after you'd secured that role. Yeah, that's right. 
Uh, I think probably I started in the January and I approached you in the same month. And and am I right in thinking that you were on a kind of probation period or was it not quite that clear? I don't think it was extra clear, but I was very conscious that that first six months was mm. absolutely critical mm. in terms of the impression I made with the team and our members and also how I felt about the role after six months. That's a very important point, actually, mm. to have that place for reflection. So... Um, what was your previous role before the chief exec? You've just said it was the first one, so I'm just curious about what the one was before that. So before that I worked for Christian Aid. Uh-huh. I was a head of region, so working with quite a big team and a big budget across England, working with senior church leaders to engage them in issues of global development and justice. And prior to that I worked uh, as a strategic planner for Oxfam. So those are important roles in themselves. Yeah. But but with a very, you know, different geography to them. So this is a this is a county wide charity, isn't it? So I think that was one of the things that was really difficult about the transition in role. What I mean is that when I worked for Oxfam and for Christian Aid, I had national responsibility, but I also had a big cushion of senior management ahead of me who were there to (laughs) essentially make sure that nothing went terribly wrong so while I think a lot of my friends and peers when I when I made the move to ostensibly a smaller role were asking me questions about that and won't get bored and the budget's much smaller and the team's much smaller actually very quickly I learned that the increased pressure in terms of just position of role far outweighed the scale of the previous roles that I'd done. Mm. And what was it about that shift and change in particular that that led you to think that coaching would be a good idea? I think there was something about the visibility of the role that inherently unnerved me. So on the surface, I think people would often tend to say that I like to be in charge and that I'm very happy in a leadership position. And I would say that that's true my my favorite analogy though to illustrate the nuance of that for myself is that I like to play the piano always love to play the piano but I would much rather be an accompanist than perform a solo and being an accompanist is actually much harder (laughs) than performing a solo and arguably just as visible because if you cock it up you've really let the other person down but there's a shared accountability there And I think that stepping into that chief exec role for me was a bit like performing a piano solo, which, although I'm very happy to be at the forefront, I hadn't really done before as a leader. But there was obviously something pulling you to do the stepping. Yeah, I mean, I think I wasn't seeking a chief exec role. It hadn't been my ambition to become a chief exec. I was really guided by my passion for all sorts. Uh My my next door neighbours are all sorts, members and founders. And for me, it was it was the perfect organisation. It's it's member led. It really takes stakeholder engagement and stakeholder leadership and servant leadership really seriously. And that's something I've been really craving in my previous roles. I have a real passion for inclusion and I love working with all people. I love working with people with additional needs. And I, I, I felt a real passion around that. I don't think I would have taken the chief exec role 
for another organisation. It certainly wasn't part of my plan. So seeking out coaching was a way of making, bridging that gap in a way of stepping in, perhaps? Coaching was important for me going into the role, I think, because I'm not a natural reflector. And the best leaders that I've worked for have been reflective leaders. They've been able to understand their own role, the significance of their role, and the impact of their role through reflection. And I knew I needed help with that. That's not my typical style. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to wing it. I wanted to make sure I was being really considered in my approach. Mm -hmm. Um, And before we get on to whether you got that, if you like, you got that support that you were seeking. Had you had any experience of coaching before? Yes, um, I'd had quite a lot of experience of coaching before. I'd participated, ironically, having said that I didn't want to be a chief exec, uh, I, I was on the uh, the Future Leaders Programme at Ashridge mm-hmm. some years ago, which is tailor-made for future chief execs. And uh, we had some coaching as a result of that, which at the time was extremely helpful to me. It was fairly early on in my career, but mm. yeah, it was very helpful. Mm. Mm. So just turning to your most recent um, experience of coaching, how did it um, support you to, 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 to make the shifts and changes that you were seeking? Well, I, I can talk about some specific examples. Okay. That's probably the most, the most useful thing. Yeah. I think I can really strongly remember our first session, Jackie, and I think that first session was hugely impactful because I don't think that it's a feminist issue necessarily to have imposter syndrome. I think it is probably a feminist issue and a chief exec issue. (laughs) So I think chief execs of all genders have that feeling often of, you know, what am I doing here and why me and surely there's someone else who could do this better and I definitely came into the role with that feeling I remember that first session you invited me to reflect on my career to date it was something I'd never done I'd looked at roles I'd looked at at specific tasks and specific projects to understand my preferences and my impact but I hadn't looked at that career arc as a whole and the encouragement to do that really did make me look differently at the chief exec role it made me very conscious of where the strengths were for that role and where I would need to work so that was enormously helpful and we did it using post-its didn't we we did yeah so I remember you writing each role on a post-it and putting it up on the wall and pausing in front of each one yeah and uh, I hope what I did (laughs) is invited you to notice what you'd given to the role what you'd taken from the role and what might still be there that you still needed to take have now absolutely as resources for now and and to then thank the role it may have seemed a really weird weird thing to do but there is something important about that that allows us then to move on to the next one and moving all the way down the sequence of doing that i'm so pleased that worked i think in a more general sense that 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 reminds me that one of the things that you did was you really disrupted and i mean that in a positive way and challenged my usual methods and mediums of thinking and processing information by that i mean i'm a very verbal person 
I, I've done the multiple intelligences test and I only have two types, which is linguistic and musical. That's it. I really struggle with the physical aspects of things. I really struggle with inhabiting my own body um, and lots of other types of, of, of intelligences that are, that are important. You really took me into that physical space. And what that did was it made me look at things completely differently. So I have lots of stories. I have lots of stories about myself. I have lots of stories about my work. And it's really easy just to keep telling yourself the same story. But by making me look at those stories in a different way, invariably for our coaching experience in a physical way. So by asking me to spatially represent things or to actually move myself to represent things, it really challenged me and it shook me out of my patterns of thinking which I'd got into and that was enormously valuable also very scary and challenging at the time. Have you got an example of how it was valuable and what's sustained over time because that was over two years ago wasn't it? Yeah I mean there are two things that really come to mind neither of these put me in a very good light Jackie but I'll, <laughs> I'll share them. Well, are you sure you would share? Yeah no I'm comfortable. <laughs> One of the things that you know I really struggle with is speed and one of the pieces of feedback I had... You are a bit speedy. I'm a bit speedy. And, um, I mean, I was diagnosed with ADHD as a, as a child. And, you know, there's no question that everybody in my life is continually irritated by my inability to focus on one thing or my desire to do things very quickly, or multiple things very quickly. Um, and one of the things that you did very early on was you made me walk very slowly around the coaching space. <laughs> And it sounds like such a little thing. I've told so many people about it. Have you? Because I've never actually done that before. Mm. Never actually done anything intentionally, slowly. Mm. And it sounds like a really little thing. But actually, sometimes, when you're a chief exec, or in any role, really, it's just really easy to get into a rhythm that actually is, A, unsustainable, and B, inappropriate to the task. And I feel that just by showing me that my default setting is speed high and that I can tune it down when I need to has been enormously helpful. Um, and I, I think the team have really valued that as well. I think they've seen me consciously choose to put things on a slower speed when it's appropriate. Brilliant. Um, don't get me wrong, the high speed thing can be really handy too, but mm. that was really impactful. Mm. The other thing that you asked me to do was some movement stuff around uh, kind of self-identifying as being in a particular place of either strength or weakness or fear or courage. And I found that enormously scary. And I think that that really, again, showed me it's, it's really important to know how you actually feel about something. And being a chief executive is really scary. Mm -hmm. And being honest with myself about that was really important and that movement exercise that we did really helped me to understand that clearly. Mm. Mm. You talked earlier about how when you're a chief executive um, you've got nobody above you. Well you have in a sense you've got the board but um, I recall that we spent quite a bit of time um, at supporting you to create a development plan and to and to come up with, you know, some targets, if you like, for that. Um, and because you wanted to check how you were performing, you wanted to create your own way of doing that. Yeah. Um, and we spent, I think, maybe even a couple of sessions on that. And then um, inviting people to do, 
to use those kind of performance measures as a as a way of giving you a 360. Yeah. How helpful has all of that been and have you carried on using that in any way? Yeah, I think it's been extremely helpful. It was it was really helpful to have some specific areas to focus on. I think it was interesting to think about what to leave out and quite challenging to think about what to leave out. But I think it, in a way, reduced some pressure that I was probably feeling. I have a really bad habit of creating tasks and, and goals that don't need to be there. So I think it really helped just to strip that down to what people actually wanted to see and what they needed. One of the objectives, which I found really challenging at the time, was about pace and intensity and actually mm. slowing that down. Mm, that's slowing down again. And and using a factual basis to identify that as something that was required was really interesting because that self-critic mm-hmm. is always there saying to me, you know, you're not doing enough, you're not getting enough done, you need to be achieving more for this organisation or helping the organisation to achieve more. And actually having a licence to say that's not really what this organisation needs right now um, was really, really useful in particular. There were some really specific things within that action plan as well that were quite easily actioned, but that I probably wouldn't have prioritised without the plan, but, but that have had lasting benefits. So, such, yeah, it's very as, beneficial. Yeah, um, we had a particular uh, committee with a, ch- a trustee as chair, and we really needed to get that trustee to have a better understanding of the organisation and there were some specific actions around that that were really effective. Mm. Mm. That's great. Mm. So I'm hearing uh, the slowing down again as well having kind of come through that. Yeah. That. yeah. And I'm also what I'm also hearing is is the importance of the organisation again in this and, and serving the organisation and um, back in last autumn um, I uh, I organised a, a piece of uh, systemic constellations for you to to support you in your role as chief exec, but to support you to to reflect on the organisation as a whole and um, how everybody was was performing. Yeah, that I think was was the key question we looked at. Yeah, what um, what did you make of that process and what, if any, lasting impact has that had? It was an incredible process. It was incredibly intense. In fact, the only thing I can remember that was as intense was the Ashridge experience, which was an immersive three-day um, <laughs> uh, simulation experience. So it was pretty incredible to experience something so intense over one day. It was hugely, hugely impactful for me and I think for the organisation. So essentially what the process did was it enabled me to see the organisation from a perspective other than my own Mm. and it allowed me to see me um, from Mm. a perspective other than my own. Mm. And I think think there were a couple of specific outcomes in terms of how I perform the role of chief exec. One in particular that, that I can really remember is, you know, I was really priding myself, I think, before the constellation around kind of remaining neutral you know and being quite passive as a chief exec and being quite strong you know I I would see I would have seen that before the constellation as being quite strong so not really letting being resilient not letting things 
kind of dent me or and not always responding to everything that others were concerned about and I think I had in my mind you know it's, it's such a trap that you can fall into that you want to show people that you're strong you think that's what they want from their chief exec and actually in the constellation it, I, I was surprised I was kind of expecting myself to come across when I could see myself in the constellation as you know bad um or, or, or ineffectual or having too much ego and actually what I saw was that I was being over resilient and over resistant to things that were going on around me and that was a real revelation mm. so actually following the constellation I was able to engage much much more in things that people really wanted to talk to me about that previously I might have been like oh well you know um, let's move on or I'm sure that you know not really sharing what I thought about it and I think it's interesting because quite often in other people's reviews in the organization when I say you know what do you want from me as a leader sometimes they'll say to me we just want to know what you think about stuff and I've been really resisting that which is so against my natural personality as well but I really got it firmly in my head that that's what you needed to do as a chief executive to be really neutral and I really realized in that constellation that really wasn't what the organization wanted from me they wanted me to get involved uh, in the difficult spaces and in the contentious and unclear things so it's really interesting. I think there was a huge amount for me as well in terms of um, helping me to understand where I was at that point in time. I was probably about, I think I was actually about two years in by that point. You were. It was, well, it was last autumn, wasn't it? I think we did it in January. I think we set it up in the okay. autumn and then we did it in the January. Mm. And I think, if I'm honest, you know, when we started the coaching, one of the things I was very aware of was that I would really need to pay attention to looking after myself, mm. making sure that mm. I was in a kind of in a in a in a positive and wholesome state of mind because I do have a tendency to overwork or be a bit hard on myself. And I think two years in, then doing the constellation, it made me realise I'd just let go somewhere along the lines of that. So I'd let go of that need to actually nourish myself and make sure that I was know a sparkling chief exec not just this kind of strong and stable <laughs> chief exec they're very different things and I think it really helped me to see that helped me to get a bit of a uh, bit of zest and life force back into me hmm. and did you notice anything uh, different in other people in the organization after you after the constellations as you've, you've described the things that you noticed for you and how you uh, started behaving in a different way. Did you notice any others who weren't present? Definitely, change? definitely. Um, one of the things that the Constellation uncovered was a, a, a sort of wider organisational issue that was historic, that I had been essentially turning a bit of a blind eye to and thinking, well, you know, that that's, didn't happen on my watch you know it's we've moved on we're a different organization now but actually people really needed me to be interested mm. so immediately after the constellation when people started to delve back into this issue I would open them up on it and really listen and really try and understand where they were on it and we moved from a place I think where things had felt quite difficult so my my 
my initial brief for the constellation was you know why do easy things feel difficult sometimes mm-hmm. and we did move on from a place where things could feel quite difficult to where people felt I think empowered actually to suggest ways forward and they they were more honest I think with me than they had been previously because they'd been coming to me with this thing that was rumbling along and I'd been sort of oh yeah well let's talk about this other thing but actually opening it up I think helped them to find solutions so I think there was a bigger degree of honesty people started to talk to me more and talk to each other more um, about things that were affecting them in their work so yeah that's very good and there's going to be another episode of these podcasts when I talk to Jane James about how systemic constellations works and the background behind Mm. it all so um i won't delve into that at the moment Uh, i could a little bit i suppose but no i don't think i will i think i'll save it for that but just let people listening to this to know that there is an episode where this is looked at in some detail and it's a it's a great technique for when an organization feels a bit stuck Uh, or when uh, a team isn't performing as it could, or a chief exec's finding that they can't uh, get uh, get the results that they're after. Um, and you can find that, you know, maybe in the past somebody was unfairly dismissed, and that the person, maybe a finance officer was unfairly dismissed, and the new finance officer's not able to kind of gel in the role. And actually, it's because... The system of the organisation is holding that, and it sounds odd, it sounds odd, but um, by uh, inviting uh, uh, people to represent different elements of the system, you can unpick where it's got stuck. I think that's really important, that it's about it's about the organisational system. I guess, you know, looking at something like the culture web would be, you know, on paper comparable but it's really useful to actually step away from individual personalities and things like that and just look at actually how does everything work yeah. together. It's really, really helpful. Yeah, yeah. Is there anything else that you can think of um, that stayed with you from the whole coaching experience? I think that there's a lot. Um, I think there was some... There was a real theme around intentionality Mm. and about being really intentional in terms of how I developed the team how I wanted the team to be under my leadership Um, it sounds awful under my leadership Um, but there was and and really about how I wanted to be but without being inauthentic and I think that was really important that I could really focus on the things that I wanted to change. One of the things that nobody tells you about being a chief exec, but I've, you know, talk a lot to other chief execs, is there's just a lot of really operational stuff. Mm. There's a heck of a lot of reactive stuff. Mm. And I can remember looking at previous chief execs that I'd served under and thinking, why do they do that? Or why do they spend time on that? But I really understand it now. There is just a lot of reactive work. It's, mm. it's actually... Sadly, if you let it, a lot less strategic than you want it to be. I think a lot of people become chief execs because they enjoy thinking and operating at a strategic level. So having that help to really focus 
on those long-term strategic issues, having those threads that I could follow through was really important. Mm. And it's a different kind of strategy mm. than when you're looking at a departmental stra- strategy or mm. a strategy for a particular mm. area of work. It's, it's quite exciting. And mm. um, The other really critical thing for me was about understanding my relationship to peers in the past, because yep. obviously as chief executive, I don't have any peers. And I, we early on, I think it was in our second session, we looked at how I tend to relate to peers, which is something in all of my career, I've tended to have good feedback from managers, good feedback from direct reports, and less good feedback from my peers. So I knew it was something I needed to work on. And obviously double hard when you don't have any natural peers. Um, That was so useful. So I, from that, developed a relationship with a formal peer mentor, and that relationship is still going strong two years later. Really important relationship for me. And that's somebody that I can talk to about anything from, you know, actually, I'm really struggling today because (laughs) I've got a problem with my child or guinea pig and I have to come into work and be on form. (laughs) Or I can talk to them about board papers or financial planning, anything. And that's been hugely beneficial. What that's also done is made me very deliberately seek out time with other chief execs of similar size charities Excellent. and I've done that several times Excellent. over the last few years and that has been an enormous enormous source of strength to me hugely mm. important and what what would you characterize the difference between coaching and mentoring I mean I know what technically I know what my answer would be but I'm interested to know what you see the difference as for me personally mm. um when I've been mentored in the past I think I haven't had a peer mentor relationship prior to this one. When I've been mentored in the past, it has been a very kind of parent-child relationship, if I'm honest. So very much about, you know, you are here, you want to get here, how, how are you going to do that? And I know some people might say that that's more of a coaching thing, but that's been my mentoring experience. Mm. And the difference for me with coaching is it's felt more peer-to-peer. Mm. It's felt more about... So who are you? Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah. just some help to really dig yeah. into that. Yeah. And I've really liked that. Yeah. Um, I think that's that's more useful to me personally yeah. um, in terms of my, my ways of working. Mm. So I feel it's been more about exploring who I am now, actually, rather than where I need to go next. Yeah, and which that's is, what I've needed. And coaching's got that, as you said, intentional kind of where's the next steps coming from. Yeah. 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 So uh, overall, my overall kind of impression and indeed evidence is that you've stepped into your leadership in a way um, that is rather lovely <laughs> to witness. And and people have a very kind of, uh, it seems quite fixed idea about what leadership is, mm. that it's, you know, it's, it's other, somebody telling at the top, telling other people what to do. Um, and I call myself a leadership coach, and that's because I feel everybody has leadership qualities, and it's it's about it's about how we lead ourselves, you know, how do we how do we ensure we're doing the best that we can for ourselves to fulfil our purpose, whatever that might be. And I wonder if if that's something that chimes with the way you view leadership, or do you view it in a different way to that? No, I think that's very in line with how I see it. You must look after yourself and you must be in control of yourself if you're not in control of yourself you know and it's not about then controlling others or controlling the organization but if actually you're not in charge of yourself in a in a kind of responsible way 
I think it's impossible to lead actually. And I think there are a lot of myths about leaders who are bombastic and uh, charismatic that are really unhelpful in this space. I'm actually, I think quite naturally energetic and encouraging, but actually that's not always what everybody needs. And one of the actions that came out from our action plan was that I needed to go for a run every morning. I don't quite manage it every morning, Jackie, but I do more mornings than not uh, exercise before I go to work because actually it helps me to be a bit less bombastic, Mm. helps me to be a bit more in control of myself Mm. and actually to sit back and enjoy the strengths of others. Mm. And I think that is so important, being able to, you know, speed up, slow down, turn yourself up, turn yourself down. Um, it's, it's, It's essential for any team. And you're describing also self-awareness. Absolutely. Isn't that an essential? It's absolutely critical. And recognising that in any team, you know, we have a really kind of small team here of all sorts, but even within our very small team, there are people who require very different types of leadership Mm. to inspire Mm. and motivate them and to help get the best from them. And being able to know how you're experienced by others is absolutely critical um and also the the impact you're having on yourself is Mm. is really important so yeah i think it's i i I genuinely believe that without that you will be missing out on the skills and passions and strengths of those around you and that's criminal you know that's as much of a waste of resources as you know taking half the money in the organization's bank account and setting it on fire you know it's it's a it's a scandalous waste when people do that so it's really important that you're able to 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 change yourself within an authentic range in order to get the best from your team. Brilliant. I think that's a great note to end on. Thank you, Jackie. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this Coaching Conversations podcast. You can find information about the organisations, literature and websites mentioned during the podcast in the show notes. If you have any feedback to offer or questions, please feel free to get in touch via email at Jackie, that's J-A-C-Q-U-I, at coachingwithintent.co.uk. And my website address is www.coachingwithintent.co.uk. And thanks again for listening.
I hope you enjoyed the podcast and thanks so much for listening. I really appreciate that. If you want to listen to more Coaching Conversations podcasts, there's one a month, you can find them on my website at www.coachingwithintent.co.uk and on whichever platform you go to for your podcasts. Please subscribe and leave a review if you're inspired to and get in touch if you'd like to know more as a result of listening. Take care.